Welcome to the Marty Party Podcast. This is me asking random questions about lifestyle, habits, and routines, business ideas, traveling, and books to people that inspire me. What I hope to achieve is to identify the pivotal moments that make them who they are today and how they choose to live. It's my spin on humans in New York with a bit of Tim Ferriss, James Altucher, but definitely more silly and introspective. This is my way to learn about how to become a better person, and I hope to share this journey with all of you. Hope you like it. Okay, we have Alan here today. Uh, Alan, welcome. This Thank is. You. My second trial after Terry's um, podcast, so a little bit of a trial and error, um, but it's good to have you here. Um, you happen to be in Taiwan. Uh, I know you don't live in Taiwan. You used to live in Taiwan, um, so maybe just give a quick intro on what you're doing, what you're up to these days, and then we'll get into some of the programs, side projects you're you're running. Sure. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's really great to be <laughs> doing something like this.、Um, a little bit surreal, actually. So yeah, I guess my name. Well, my name is Alan, as you've introduced. I'm 26. Originally, I'm from the UK.、Um, my family are from Taiwan, China, and the UK. So I've kind of grown up between two different cultures. Can、um, you just even tell me more? Like your family's from Taiwan and in China. What does that mean? Sure. So my Grandfather、uh-huh. on my mum's side is from Danzhou, okay, in Taiwan.、Um, and are you are you mixed, right? By yeah, mixed, you yeah. are. Okay. So, my mum's from from China.、Um, obviously, she has relatives in Taiwan and China, and yeah, it was a big part of growing up, like getting to become familiar with who I am,、mm. as in terms of my cultural background.、Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of mixed people probably go through that same journey at some point, like trying、right. to work it out.、Mm-hmm. So coming to Taiwan for me was a big part of that, like trying to reconcile the kind of upbringing that I had, influences from my mum's side of the family and、mm. from my dad's side. When、uh, were how old were you when you first visited Taiwan? First visited, I mean, I've been coming to Asia, seeing relatives ever since I was born. Okay, um, but like Taiwan was a little quite a bit later. I was probably about fourteen or fifteen,、mm. and then moved here shortly after uni. So graduated, and then a few months later, few months after that, came to Taipei for family reason, or you were just like, I love Taiwan. There's something about it. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to improve my Chinese. That was the main motivation.、Uh-huh. Growing up, my Chinese was always pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, I can never communicate with my grandmother,、mm-hmm. so I mean she would look after me when I was younger.、Um, wouldn't be able to, you know, she'd be feeding me food, giving me a lot of food, but there wouldn't be no way to have a conversation. Very one、her. way.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've always felt like this kind of awkwardness there. Like、mm-hmm. she's my grandmother, but I don't know who she is.、Mm-hmm. I don't know what she thinks about things. So, yeah, that kind of you know, when you're young, you don't really care about that. You're aware of it, but you don't care. But it wasn't. It wasn't leaving. It was like going back to the roots a little bit about you know identifying, you know reconciling, finding who you a, another part of you, and culture. So yeah, exactly. Okay. So cool. Yeah, coming to Taiwan was mainly to you know, get my Chinese、mm-hmm. to a decent level. 
And you stayed there for how long? In total, around three, just over three years. Over three years. It's quite a significant amount of time. Okay. And um, now you're back in UK? I am, yeah. I'm living in London at the moment. Okay. So it's a weird feeling to be moving back again to the UK. I left the UK when I was 17. Mm-hmm. I uh, moved to Hong Kong. I went to university in Hong Kong. Um, and that also was, you know, a similar process of, like, seeking cultural background. Obviously not... No family from Hong Kong, but mm-hmm. just being based in Asia was that opportunity that I had. Uh, yeah, so moving back to the UK has been like a really big step. Yeah, yeah. Realizing How does that feel? Like being in Asia, was it more comfortable in Taiwan? <laughs> or I think living is is more comfortable. It's definitely more relaxed, and people seem to be able to have fun more. Um, really? Yeah, I think. Well, in a more simple and genuine way, I think in the UK you know pursue leisure in a different kind of huh manner so yeah i always had the impression that we're we're brought out to be such good students that we don't really know how to have fun um but maybe the folks you met at this at their age at their um stage they're able to be more outgoing i don't know yeah because I mean, people go to bushiban like yeah all the time it's hard to put myself in that position because I never, never grew up in Taiwan, never like faced all those pressures. Mm-hmm. But it's just my observation is that people in Taiwan seem to be more relaxed, mm. a little bit more easygoing, can enjoy things mm. more than in the UK, especially in London, where the pressure is so high. What, what were those pressure for? I've never lived in London before. This is the first time. I grew up in another city in the uh-huh. UK, much quieter. But living in London is similar to the feeling in Hong Kong. It's ah. very competitive, it's very expensive, your living costs are always like a, a big thing you're going to be concerned about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that weighs down on people's abilities to just relax a bit. I see. It's always kind of going back to the the most crucial or most obvious thing. It could be just monetary value that you Sadly, care about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is. Um, so I'm gonna go into uh, about your your project directly. I think um, what you've done is is amazing, and I happen to have the fortunate opportunity to participate in the program. Um, it's called Delegations for Dialogue. I'm getting right. this right? Yes. After the third trial, um, maybe tell the audience what what it is, how it started. Where were you when it started? Uh, how long has it been? And uh, we can we can go in deeper on that. Sure. So as you correctly say, the name is <laughs> Delegations for Dialogue. Um, I actually started this a couple of years ago. I was based in Taipei at that time. Mm. Um, and the, the philosophy really is very simple, just trying to promote dialogue. Mm. Dialogue between different people from different cultures, different religions different economic backgrounds, political backgrounds, just any dialogue is positive. Mm. That's our fundamental belief. So what we're focusing on doing is bringing young people, so between the ages of like 18 and 30, so when you're, you know, you just finished high school, you're in uni, you're kind of at this new stage of life where you're independent now, you're kind of learning a lot. Um, and those moments, those years, already for, like you know, help you formulate right. your views on everything. Mm-hmm. So we bring students together from from that age group to come together, and we go to different countries around the world, particularly areas that are 
you know, undergoing a lot of changes. Perhaps they're uh, in the middle of a conflict. Mm -hmm. They have very specific issues that have a lot of different viewpoints. Very, you know, very complicated situations. So we go to these areas. Um, we organize a series of meetings, whether it be like roundtables, lectures, and it could be with people in the government, politicians, people who are not in the government, NGOs and activists or mm. students, just ordinary students mm -hmm. in those countries. We sit down and we just engage in dialogue, trying to understand the situation from different perspectives. Um, because that is the reality about you know, everything has two sides. Mm. Every story has two sides. Mm -hmm. um, you can't understand something until you've listened to both. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's the premise of what we do at Delegations for Dialogue. And what are some of the countries or areas that you took students to? Okay, so, I mean, the most, uh, the most common program that we run, as in the one we've done most often since we started, has been going to Korea. We go to North and sometimes South Korea as well. Mm. Um, but we've done programs in in the Middle East. We most recently were in Iraq, in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. Mm. We've done program in Iran, uh, Lebanon. So and did yeah. you had? We're, we're going to go back to North Korea because I went to North Korea through your program. But did you have to go to sort of like? trial run and then go to North Korea first, go to Iraq first to understand the situation and then build the relationship with the local before you can start like how I mean like that sounds great and you know I I don't even know how to even start relationship with North Korean government. So something something's, you know, in the in the magic that you did. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, we do these kind of research trips first. We go as an organization to meet different people. Mm -hmm. um, that process is quite uh, simple, really. We just usually we have a good contact there. So we, for example, we would rely on them to help us connect with different people. So wait, just let me backtrack. So you, you had this thought you wanted to do it, to have a dialogue. And then what did you do? Who did you reach out to? to the government like Taiwan like you were in Taiwan then so we generally don't work directly with governments okay uh, I think the case with North Korea is quite different as you know you would know from when you visit or when anyone visits North Korea that it's, it's quite restricted mm -hmm. you have to go through tour agency North Korean tour company which is under the government pretty much mm. so effectively when you go to North Korea you're going in via like a government sanctioned method mm -hmm. um, but for other countries we don't necessarily um, have any any kind of connection or any meetings with people in the government like we did programs in uh, for example Myanmar and Myanmar were really just being a lot of organizations so non-governmental organizations mm. so every program has a different starting point mm -hmm. it's not really like a set pattern for each program they've all got their own uh, reasons for coming about all different processes of how we set it up but i i just feel like it, it sounds like you're you're starting a new company almost and you're building business relationships and there there had to be something deeper within you that you wanted to drive that you felt like it's important to have this dialogue between students um you know other than you care a lot about these issues um 
to to go through the yeah. you know go through hundreds of calls and not make any success well this is really going back to like to the root of where this motivation comes from right? mm -hmm. so this is i guess related to a lot of my experience growing up being of like mixed race from different cultures and then myself having to listen to both sides of that within it's like an internal conflict of mm. understanding mm -hmm. things so i kind of went through that um and then i'm still going through that with with different issues trying to understand issues and opinions from you know the root causes why do people think like this what is right what is wrong and then you realize that everything's kind of the elements of right and wrong and everything for example mm -hmm. so that's really where the root came from mm. and i think studying abroad in hong kong i met a lot of students who were like hong kong students who never studied outside or like always grew up there i met a lot of chinese students who just moved to hong kong from mainland china um a lot of international students that kind of environment was quite formative for me um and, so, you, yeah. and you see that they like take the students in hong kong who who never studied outside you do you see in their eyes or you through talking to them they they had that desire and you feel like by doing this or starting this delegation you're you're fulfilling a need for other people or? i don't know if like everyone has that desire to like know what other people are thinking or understanding other people but i think that it's like in human nature to try to do that mm. Um, it's more about is that opportunity there for right you? so I want to be kind maybe of, they don't know what they don't know right they exactly. haven't seen it yeah um, so one one of the good things about studying in Hong Kong was my program my degree program had like an exchange compulsory exchange that I everyone see. had to go on which I think is pretty rare um, in Hong Kong that you have to go normally it's the thing that you can choose mm. um, but I think having to do something like that putting yourself in like a different environment that you're not comfortable you don't know anyone you might not know the language or the culture is really you know on the long long term definitely yeah. positive yeah yeah it will change you in in ways that you can't imagine in terms of open your perspectives and things you just become more i think more kind of empathetic perhaps yeah i i'm gonna jump in and talk about sure, my yeah. my experience i went to north korea pyongyang in 2016 i believe um it was just i mean i wasn't even sure i didn't even know that was an option apparently that's their number two resort or revenue for the country is tourism i don't know number one maybe it's top five we'll, we'll, we'll skip that uh but uh, yeah i remember reaching out to you and saying hey can i participate in this program is there are there still spots available and that was during April. And April, every in April uh, in in North Korea, they would have a marathon mm -hmm. that specifically is designed for foreigners. To yeah, actually, uh, the, right? the or, one you joined was in I think the third time that they allowed foreigners to run it. Oh, Previous, the third time. Yeah, it wasn't so, it wasn't designed for foreigners to it join. It used to be for professionals. But okay. I think several years ago they allowed like just normal amateurs. To participate yeah. In that. Yeah, and I think that year there was a total of a thousand foreigners who participated in the marathon. Just just the marathon. I'm like, there's probably more people that went for other stuff, um, tourism. Um, and uh, yeah, I I think you know I've I've asked some really dumb questions to you. 
on because I, I you know I went as an a American uh, citizen, and that was uh, during March where. Uh, which is really sad news. I don't know if people remember, but um, a, a U.S. college student had just been caught uh, stealing one of the hotel's propagandas. And, um, you know, he was caught on T- CCTV and then he was um, put into jail. Um, and, you know, we'll, we won't cover the rest of the story, but basically... I had this whole fear, and that was when I had already submitted my initial fees to entry, um, you know, booked the tickets and all that. And the story came out, and I, like the first thing I thought was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I you think know, I remember you having like a little bit of a panic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember specifically you put me in touch with another friend who had been to the program he was in similar situation where he was a Taiwanese American he was holding an American passport going into North Korea and um, you know he you suggested me talking to him and which which worked <laughs> which is why I went um, he sort of like uh, was was the final convincing person and I remember the the key thing that he told me was it's it's even more important for me to go as an American because I had originally thought that oh damn it shoot had I had a Taiwanese passport I could have gone into North Korea with no problem due to the you know sensitivity and whatnot uh, but but his point was like it's actually more important because you gotta go in and unlearn what you were told by the media by people around you. Um, you just gotta experience what's what's over there, um, and I think that really stuck with me. It's like it's it's even more important uh, for you to for me to have this identity to go in as this identity. Um, I don't know if you've faced similar questions or like I don't know, I'd be interested. Like what like North Korea's or at least for the past five years, people. It's, you know, we see it on the news a lot, mostly very negative views. Um, and, um, you know, how, you know, sort of the before, after, like, what were the major themes? Well, um, I think I probably should ask you. I mean, you, as, <laughs> as a participant, yeah. maybe you have a, a more kind of uh, interesting response. Mm-hmm. And especially as an American, I mean, we haven't taken so many American students. And as you know, right now, American students aren't able to go to North Korea at all. Mm-hmm. Um, due to the travel ban. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, what were your kind of thoughts? Obviously, before and then after. How, like, what, what changed? What was the most memorable thing that you experienced? The the attraction that uh, you know p- people who have been to North Korea before they told me is like, oh, you gotta go. It's like China uh, thirty years ago, right? and then you gotta go when you still can um, before it opens up before things change you, you know it's it's part of like going back in time um, and when i went there it's um it's it's very i don't know how to like put it in words or, or sentences I, I think every single day um there were moments of doubt there was uh moments of yeah i don't know what's gonna happen to me uh, at all times um because I had to, as an American, fly in 
instead of going through the 20-hour train ride um and then you know it was it was is called uh Cora Air. I forgot the airline. Uh, Cora Air. Cora yeah. Air, right? And uh, it was not a very new airplane. Let's just put it that way. And so I was like, shoot, um, am I really on this? And so um, I, yeah, the, from from the moment of the airplane ride to arriving in in Pyongyang, um, it's it's just a, a roller coaster. But I think it was great because. I had you. I had other students who were part of the group, and then um, we had already do some do, done some debriefing on what to expect too. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think I think you know for the most part, it was a a guided tour where we can't really go out of the agenda. Um, and it was interesting to talk to the tour guides about you know how they view the history. Uh, for North Korea and South Korea, how they generally have a very negative views on Americans, um, uh, but I think more so is is the dialogue that you you wanted to have. Is I ended up having these very genuine conversation with the other students that were traveling, um, both about their experience while we were in North Korea, but also where they're coming from, getting to know each other. Um, and I, I remember just the moment of the marathon. That was the big day where thousands, like you know, almost a thousand people were were running, and we were we had to start in a stadium that was filled with sixty thousand people, and they had to sort of like they were they were like cheering for us, and they were standing up, giving us a standing ovation to give us this this kickstart. Uh, to go through and um, that was the time Alan you told me it was like you could just run uh, I mean you have to run through the the route but um, that's really where you can see the entire city of Pyongyang um, and the children were out there the you know the, gr- the the grandma the moms that were out there lining up and just like cheering for every single person and I think I think that was a moment where I thought, yes, despite everything that you've heard from that I've seen from the media, the and then despite you know they're gonna have different living standards, they're gonna have different choices that they have in North Korea, um, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But it's just you get to see that people are genuine in nature, and um, they're happy people. So in a way. Uh, it's it's like they're they're proud to say that there's no crime in North Korea. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that because, you know, everyone has a different or th- everyone has a different obligation. You can say they were assigned to do certain roles, but it's never to hurt another person. Um, at least that's what I saw. Um, and and you 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 have this hope on humanity, right? And you know people. If you grow up in a cave, you're that's you know that's all you're going to be able to learn. But uh, it, it's you know gives me hope on people are good natured, and then you you may you may be in fortunate circumstances, but um, you know given the right resource, given the right opportunity, you can unlearn and unpack, hopefully for for the better. That's that's sort of like the main takeaway that mm, I got. I think that takeaway is 
quite a common theme that a lot of students kind of go through when they come back and they reflect. They realise how it was very much a humanising experience. That they mm-hmm. realise that there, there are just ordinary people there. You have a lot in common with, um, more in common with like a North Korean than you'd imagine, mm-hmm. as, as an American even. Yeah, yeah. So I think that realisation is something you can't have unless you put yourself there. Yeah, go there. Yeah, have those interactions. See it with your own eyes. Mm-hmm. You can like hear it, and people can tell you, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of realization is very important, and that's the kind of great thing about traveling is that you realize, um, you know, everyone has so much in common. Uh, it's really about how you uh, you, you and and, and when when people tell you this, uh, is, does that make you happy, or what does how does that make you feel as yeah. as a leader or as a person? I mean, that's like you can't um, control how people react to the program or what they gain from it. Mm-hmm. But if they gain anything, or if they they had a memorable experience that's um, taught them anything new, I find that as, as you know, I've I've done something that can mm-hmm. uh, of benefit that they mm-hmm. can you know who knows where that kind of thought will carry might, with them. Yeah, it might inspire them in different ways many years down the line. So, I mean, that's, that's but but it's it's it's, it's just it's just very it's an altruistic motivation that I don't know I'm gonna I'm gonna just question you on this like sure, don't you want to be did you want to be the guy who sort of like opened the dialogue and with and then sort of like I don't know like what's what's the ultimate goal is it just Okay, over the past three years, I have brought X amount of students, and they all said thank you to me. And then that's that's gonna be uh, my value, my contribution in this society. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> playing. No, these are very very good questions. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is there is a kind of irony here because as my personality is quite, I would say, introverted. Mm. I'm not like a really like you're very outgoing. Mm. Um, so the concept of dialogue is something that you would have, uh, like people who are, you know, extrovert, they'll be always engaging in conversation and talking, but I'm more of a listener. So mm. that's the way it comes from, from my side, that I like to listen mm-hmm. and to understand. Um, and to like be part of something that can facilitate that gives me meaning. And I mm. think that's something that I've been going through since I think everyone is going through that in their own way, like trying to find where that meaning mm-hmm. in their life comes from and I do find this this meaning there and like connecting people right um, and I have no like imposition like I hope this is you know people get this message mm-hmm. or people learn this specific thing if they learn whatever they want or whatever they get that's really great mm-hmm. and yeah that's have you have you tried to like based on the different stories and the people you've touched um, maybe you've written it down. Maybe you want to republish it in a different medium. Work with a I don't know. Like, is your concept of of having that genuine experience? It's it's just gonna stay. Like, you gotta be there to experience. Otherwise, whatever you see on YouTube, on Vice, that's secondhand. So that already has a pre you know pre filled agenda. So that's not what you're after. I don't know, maybe you could talk a little bit more on that. Yeah, I mean, this is really important that we've realised um, as a team, like the, the few of us who are working for the organisation, is like, how can we have a bigger reach? Like, are the only people that can 
gain something from this the ones that join the program yeah um, we're still thinking about that we're thinking yeah th- i mean technology is going so fast that you can learn a lot um without um compared to how you could in the past mm-hmm. through through different kinds of technology so there's there's a lot of things that are out there but at the moment we're focusing our attention on to just like being there for you know first hand mm-hmm. experiences mm-hmm. and i think you know with the fact that traveling is getting cheaper and in many ways it's getting easier for people to move around the world and travel um this is a good time to be doing that right exactly yeah. um hypothetically i mean i don't know it's it's sort of like it's that's we could be optimistic or we could just be very sad that would there be a day where everyone understand each other or <laughs> probably not or let's say you know north and south reunite and they're now one happy family like okay we move on to the next developing society is it sort of like how do you see this going 10 years from now 20 years from now or how do you want to see it progress um or you know so i unfortunately haven't kept in touch with the people that or the students that have been with the group um i don't know are are you seeing different like what what are some stories that you've seen like maybe you've attracted f- some some folks to become the core member and then they now help uh bringing more students to other areas sort of like yeah i mean we're now like a team of about 10 people mm. we started the three of us mm. and we we've grown with just people who have joined the programs like you did staying involved um we've had people then go on to organize their own, their own programs for example our lebanon program that we run was organized really well by the one of the first students who joined that first ever program mm. so he came on our first trip to korea stayed in touch with us and then ended up organizing this really great program. all by himself right. yeah well we, we or you guys helped him yeah um and um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go on that program, but you know, I've met the students who did. They also it was a really great experience. They learned a lot, a lot of different um, things gained from that. So, yeah, this is a common pattern. Like basically, everyone in our team has been involved either as a student or they've just got in touch, saying they really like the concept. We kind of bring everyone, and everyone is very young. Like mm. under, I, I don't think anyone's over the age of thirty-five. Mm. Every, this is again maybe one of our weaknesses as well. It's always good to have people who have more experience, kind of more life experiences as well. But, mm. but yeah, we're a very young team. Um, everyone's kind of pitching in with their own ideas, very organically. Mm. So let's um, jump back to the present tense a little bit. You're now doing your masters in UK in international development. Correct. Yeah. Is that a motivation to then broaden DF, uh, DFD or, like, I don't know, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, where, where are you now uh, or where do you see yourself after you graduate? Sure. I mean, I think going back to school was something I was, you know, ready to do from a couple of years ago. Is after I finished uni in Hong Kong, did my undergraduate degree, I knew that. I had to complete that education by going back to the UK, getting a degree um, in the UK. Mm. The, the education in Hong Kong was quite particular. I learned a lot, but um, it didn't feel complete. I, was, I felt it was quite one-sided. 
so going back just to add um some context i studied management mm. so it's very like business focused very specific kind of education like mm. business education mm-hmm. not the most you know it's not like you can be passionate about that some people are but personally yeah, i found it a little bit um it wasn't the most fascinating thing mm. to be studying mm-hmm. but being in hong kong and all the other things there i learned so much so i definitely don't regret that that decision but going back to do a master's in development was kind of like the opposite of that mm. studying in in london at the soas it's a, a small university in london very very much the polar opposite of the education i had in hong kong mm. uh, politically uh, like economically all the views are critiquing and challenging the kind of things i was taught so but again that's some, you knew yeah. that going in yeah right that's that's, that's, that's that was the motivation to okay. find something that would challenge what i've been taught before mm. as a way to understand more and i'm i am still in that process i haven't finished the degree mm-hmm. it's been like a really Know, so much information a short amount of time still mm-hmm. digesting it working it out working out where I stand on a lot of things I've been taught mm-hmm. um, but yeah that's that's the motivation I've realised that I wanted to study something I'm really quite interested in personally yeah. not something like you were told uh, yeah, and you had like, to complete out of exactly. requirement so I had the few years between undergraduate and now to work out what that was and mm-hmm yeah, hopefully it goes well. I and mean, it's still ongoing. Mm. Nice. Um that's that's I mean, I I like to do that one day myself to be able to study for because I like the subject because I want to learn. I think I'm we're we're all doing that a little bit here and there uh by reading into the the books, by listening to podcasts, audiobooks. Mm watching whatever medium you want to watch um it's just good to 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 continue on that path Um, yeah and i think that in some some ways education has been a little bit uh, they kind of got a bit lost with the direction Mm. people focusing on education for the sake of like how to get a better income how to get that job how come Um, you were never uh distracted by that or how that's sort of like everyone is going into the systems that you got to make you know go from lower class middle class to upper class right like you know how did you as a person was like no man like fuck the system or there's there's more important things than making money or yeah i mean the pressures the pressures are there i mean as as, as i mentioned i have i'm half you know chinese Taiwanese that in, right. on that side of the family that pressure is definitely there okay even now um but the no i think being in hong kong at that time or being in taiwan like already being in a different environment already doing something that's not expected kind of you've got that momentum already mm. and it wasn't as difficult as as it would be for, for someone who's got you know they're like living at home yeah their parents are telling them you've got to do this like giving them all the kind of making them feel guilty and so on so mm-hmm. i definitely don't think it's an easy thing to do mm-hmm. um but i think everyone can you know hopefully take a le- little leap of faith and then just go yeah you know? so i think when you're young if you can and you have like um that window of opportunities to take it mm-hmm. and you can you know hopefully always go back to something that is seen as more conventional later on but when you've got less responsibility you don't have families those are the moments that you can take a few risks. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, the worst that can happen, sort of thing. What is the worst that can happen? If you ask yourself that, kind of helps you along that mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know, like, how, what are maybe some, some inspirations or, or, um, how do I take it from here? Like, okay, I met Alan. He's doing the delegations for dialogue. He's doing his his masters and then sort of like challenging himself to learn different perspectives. Um, do you look outward and sort of give people the listeners like, hey, you gotta challenge yourself too, or how do you maybe I don't know. As a as a conclusion, on, okay. yeah. So I mean, why I is wisdom from Wattle? My wisdom, well, I suppose it's just to you know, you've got to take some time. You got to prepare yourself. Yeah. Don't rush into any big decision. But you know, take that those moments alone to think. Yeah. And come to the kind of clear idea of what it is that has meaning for you there. That you can say like instantly if someone says what is meaningful you that's the first thing that comes to your head once you know that it gets easier and you can work out compromises of how you can pursue that yeah. without like disappointing so many people yeah just take it gradually i i guess one thing that i i wanted to talk a little bit about is just timing or or, or the sense of time because we're this generation of us is very uh very impatient about everything right we want instant gratification on income we gonna we want to hit the jackpot we want to just have everything in the next five minutes and then if i don't have it uh i get frustrated i get even depressed i want to kill myself sometimes you know we've seen some news reporting that you know you you know just economy isn't doing well and then someone has lost the majority of their income and they can't take it but then how do you and then even it's just even every day you hear about um elon musk every single one of his meeting is, is is within 15 minutes it's like bam 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 and then we get a lot of these self-improvement books about habits about you know waking up early at 5 a.m to be more productive um and on the other side, we we talk about you know there's meditation and whatever. Like how, where are you in that s- plot? As like in 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 terms of time, you know, are you feel you know there's family pressure and everything. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> definitely taken a little bit of an alternative route in that I haven't um, rushed things. I think that this journey from like leaving the UK ten years ago, coming back to the UK has not been like okay i'm decided this is all planned out yeah it's just been happening as it you know as it does naturally mm-hmm. so if like taking that into account i mean it's kind of because of that process i feel that so many things i've had all these opportunities like i never thought that i start delegations for dialogue mm-hmm. it's, it's never like my plan to do something like that mm-hmm. but these opportunities came together to allow that to happen so i think if you just take a step back and not feel like there's so much pressure to like achieve this and you compare yourself to others 
Um, it's probably the worst thing you do for yeah but it, i mean it's for, very tempting to do that and mm-hmm. this you know that that kind of it's you're encouraged in some ways to be like always you know benchmark yeah like, okay by this age i've got to get this salary mm-hmm. i've got to get this i've got to have get a married and, for example and starting family all that yeah. but i mean being aware of that important definitely but like not letting that determine how you make your decisions mm. i think that's the the biggest kind of thing that i was uh born against mm. yeah nice i'm gonna do that more myself too <laughs> right Just be more myself um cool i th- i think that's that's a good wrap on the material we i don't think we got super deep with everything but i think we got a, a pretty good ground covered um so just want to thank you again alan oh, thanks marty for um, inviting me yeah uh, this is exciting we're we're gonna we're gonna have fun with it and then hopefully um as things progress maybe we'll do a, a second podcast in the future sure. there's there's gonna be more stuff to talk about great anytime awesome cool okay.